Welcome back to the Breakside Podcast, here for episode 25. This is your ultimate destination for in-depth collegiate and professional Frisbee discussions and interviews. I'm your host, David Adamitis. This episode's guest has been a star in many different avenues of Ultimate Frisbee, from D3 College Frisbee with a St. Olaf Vortex, to the USA U24 national team, to USA Ultimate Club scene with the Boston Brute Squad, and finally, the New York Gridlock, part of Premier League Ultimate, introducing Tulsa Douglas. Tulsa, how are you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. I'm just in that intro there, and a very impressive resume. You've played Frisbee so many different avenues, so many different levels. So it's really exciting to chat with you here tonight. But now we're kind of in an off season, I guess, and you've played all yeah. this Frisbee. What are you doing now? You know, are you trying to get Frisbee in? You know, what, what's that training in the off season looking like for you right now? Mm-hmm. Good question. In the past couple of weeks, I've actually been playing a lot of pickleball. That's sort of my <laughs> my fun off season sport. I have done a little bit of like lifting, biking stuff. I'll get more into that seriously in a bit, but I think just sort of like having fun and getting to do the things that I haven't gotten to do so much during the intense season. Oh, for sure. I mean, pick, I'm a big fan of pickleball myself, so maybe yeah. we should a whole different podcast for that because it's yeah. like a blast <laughs> in itself. <laughs> but yeah, let's stick on this kind of off-season training a little bit. You mentioned you'll get more serious as time goes on a little bit. It's probably a little soon for that. Got to let our bodies recover after the seasons. But what kind of time frame are you looking where you really start ramping up the off-season training? What kind of work are you putting in? Mm-hmm. And I think it depends on the off season. So this year is a world's tryout year. And so those tryouts will happen, I hear, late February, early March. And so that sort of changes things because it's like, if you're going to get a tryout for that, you got to be in sprinting, you know, condition shape in February, March, which is not when I would want to be peaking targeting for. So I think it's sort of a challenge, like how much in what shape do you want to be in then? Obviously, you don't want to get injured, but also you have to sort of plan for if you make that team, it's a really long season. It's the club season plus that, which is really intense in beginning of September and then the club series and nationals. So honestly, I haven't quite like mapped it out for myself. I'm still kind of in the post-nationals phase, <laughs> um, but I do think that this part of the like cycle. I mean, I guess there's, it feels like there's sort of a world's thing every year, but uh, yeah, it's a little different and it's different with having the pro season starting earlier too. So, so much for me, definitely, (laughs) definitely a lot to balance there. Yeah. You know, you have obviously you've had that experience playing for the national team. So I imagine you come in with definitely a certain edge of just, I would imagine a certain calmness that you've been through this tryout process before. Um, what does that what does that mean to you? How does that affect you kind of preparing for this tryout process? I'm sure there's a lot of people first time experience that it's it's probably a lot. It's probably a little intimidating as well. Just walk mm-hmm. me through this process. Yeah, good question. And I so I attended the 2020. I don't know, senior national team. I don't really know what you call it. Tryouts as well as the U24 tryouts for my cycle. And then I did U20 tryouts and didn't make that team back then. So I think um, having those different cycles and different levels of national team tryout experience, definitely it's an advantage to have been to the tryouts before, know sort of what types of things they might do, what to expect. Um, but really, I think just sort of a lot of it is about mindset and having a plan for like what you want to show of what kind of player you are, what you can contribute to the team as a teammate, 
Um, and I think, I mean, I think a piece of it is just like having fun. So when I went to the 2020 cycle, I got to play, I mean, everyone plays, but in the mixed tryouts with like a bunch of people that I know from just seeing them play, but getting to play mixed with them was super fun. And I was like, oh, huh, this is cool. Um, so, so I think just sort of like being open to the experiences and it's like really fun to go and compete with a lot of really good people, but also just like people that I've either been teammates with in the past or um, friends with from other things. So I think, I don't know, just like trying to not put too much pressure on one single weekend. Definitely. And you mentioned that mental side. I think if you look at any sport, if it's Frisbee or if it's pickleball, right? I think so much of a sport is, is the mental side. How do you prepare? How do you keep yourself composed while it's in game time? Especially if you're down in a game, right? How do you fight yourself? How do you how do you be resilient in a situation? Mm-hmm. Um, could you share what is your kind of prep going into into game game day situation? You've been in many of the top games at different varying levels of ultimate, you know, national, you're a championship champion at many different uh, levels here. How do you get yourself mentally prepared for these games? Yeah, uh, I think definitely experience helps. And I think almost you're preparing throughout the season. So one thing we talk about on Brute is having practices be harder than games or tournaments. So we show up to a tournament and we feel like we've played against the best defense. We've worked super hard in practice. So I think that sort of physical preparation and and also it's like the mental challenge of playing against really good teammates over and over again, I think is definitely a piece of it. Thinking about this year, I think one special part of like the semis and finals of nationals is that you're just playing one game per day. And so you sort of have like, we won quarters. Uh, Well, we had to play the pre-court. Wait, I don't even remember, but we had to play two games on (laughs) Friday, which in my first couple of years on Brute, we didn't, we'd always played like three, one, one, which was nice, but to have the time to sort of like celebrate that you just won and you're going on to the next thing. And then start preparing like basically that's what those under 24 hours is is like thinking about some strategic stuff but really sort of I think at nationals a lot of it is recovery and giving yourself mental space to be ready to like lock in again the next day because it's like it's you can't be on the whole time um and so I think leading up to like the semis and finals for me mentally is about like reminding myself of my role and what my skills are and really playing within that and knowing like, here's what I can contribute. And if I do this well, and I trust my teammates to do these other things, well, like we're going to be successful. And I think being careful not to get into like, I have to do everything. Or if I, I think a lot of like what you're talking about with this mental resilience stuff is like being prepared for things to not go well and like how you respond. And so recognizing, for example, we're playing fury in the semis. There's no way it's going to be an easy game. Like they're not just going to roll over and give it to us. So being really prepared for like, yeah, I'm probably going to throw a turnover at some point based on my role. I'm not going to be perfect. Or like, yeah, I'm going to get beat on defense at some point. And how do I not let those mistakes or like instances of challenge make me crumble? And how do I, how can I continue to respond and like keep choosing to do the small things right and knowing and trusting that that will all come together for success in the end. 
and all these games you're talking about, this is from when you play with Boston Brute Squad, and you mm-hmm. guys won the club national championship just about a month ago now. So congratulations to that win there. And this is your first season with the Boston Brute Squad. And you guys have, had, have been a team historically that's performed at the highest levels. Talk to me about what the culture of this of the squad is. Um, you mentioned just a little bit of it. You hinted there is just making those practices harder than actual game day. So it sounds like a very supportive, very hard work driven culture. But share with me a little bit more about what's going on. So I started playing for Brute Squad in 2017. And at that point, I was still in college at St. Olaf. And so it's been cool to both grow as a player and sort of become a veteran. Like this year, I was in the top five people who've been on the team for the longest, which was sort of shocking to me. Um, But just thinking about the culture. So I joined in 2017. We lost in the finals on Universe to Fury. The past two years, Brute had won. Um, And then in 2018, we also lost in the finals to Fury (laughs) and then on Universe. And then in 2019, we finally beat Fury in the semis and then went on to win. So I think your question about like the culture my perspective on it, I think kind of changes. Like the first year I was a rookie, I was in college, I was pretty oblivious and unaware (laughs) of things. And like, I think that was great. And I think as I've become a more veteran player on the team, I've had a bit more of a hand in shaping the culture. And so I think what we really aim for is like, our goal is to have a team that is really, really successful on the field and helps people feel valued as a player, but also just as a person and what else they can contribute as a person um, and that everyone improves as an individual. And so I think obviously the outcome goal of winning is there's no like clear recipe for that success. If there was, we would all be able to replicate it. So the, like, there's a lot that goes into that piece, but I really think that the other two pieces of like helping everyone improve and helping everyone feel valued also our sort of process goals that lead to that outcome goal. I think it's hard to have the winning success without those other pieces. Um, And so sort of like day to day, like I said, it's working really, really hard at practice, especially working really hard on defense and then putting in the time and energy outside of practice, both physical preparation and then also working on those things that you know you need to work on. Um, And I think figuring out roles for people where they can best succeed, but also not pigeonholing people into roles and letting them grow. Um, So I think those are some of the things that come to mind. Yeah, you can take, I think, some of the best players out there and put them on a team. But if there's not the chemistry, if not the culture, it won't reach its full potential. It means so much to a team, especially, you know, hearing a little bit of story of this team is coming up short just barely short those couple of years yeah. that can be <laughs> devastating and you look at my own experience and i played d3 in college and my senior year was you know our best year and we were lost on universe point to go to nationals and like mm. i still feel that yeah um it can be devastating for a team but to see the guys still in college just they're building back already working on it and that, that's so critical for, for the success of a team i think and i think something very interesting with your story you mentioned you began playing on this very highly talented club team when you were still in college Mm-hmm. which I think presents a whole different array of challenges. How did you manage you know, normal college life, your classes, your you know, commitments you know, at the college level while also playing at this very high level with a club team? Looking back on it, I don't really know. <laughs> um, 
I think one thing to, that sort of goes back to your, your brute team culture. So I would fly back and forth. I would go to like a tryout weekend in the spring. And then I was in Massachusetts in the summer. So that was easy. But then, you know, college starts up again and I would be flying back and forth. And my first two years, brute was like, okay, you can only come to a certain number of weekends this fall. That makes sense. You don't need to come to regionals. You should come to a practice weekend instead because it will be we'll get more out of it to have you there than at regionals, which is like regionals is so fun. And <laughs> that's where Brute was at was like practice is harder than regionals. I don't know. The I think the balance was just in like doing my homework on the airplane. And I think, I mean, it, the, the benefit of it is like playing college and especially where I was at, it was like, I got a lot of playing in. And so the, there was definitely a shift in, my role and sort of like playing style going from brute back to college. But I was definitely like, didn't have to worry about training fitness because I was like playing a ton of Frisbee at school. You talked to me, you mentioned difference in styles and that's just something I've experienced in my own, you know, Frisbee journey here, you know, playing in college and then now moving to the Cincinnati area, you know, playing with club or playing in league, there's different styles of play. And I think sometimes it's a challenge for a new player to come into a, a club team that's established and this is the way we do it. Or you take a collection of very good players and they each have their own ideas. This is what I did. This is what we should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very hard transition at times. Um, talk to me about what it was like trying, you know, trying to fit in or successfully fitting in in your case between college style of play, this club style of play. And we'll get in, you can hint, you can touch at this too, just playing on um, gridlock as well. I'm sure there's different styles in those teams. Mm-hmm. I think definitely going from college to club, a big piece was just like in college, I got to throw a lot of different things and figure out what worked. And like, I would go get a bunch of blocks to get the disc back to keep throwing a bunch of things. And in club possession is so much more valuable that there's definitely some adjusting in like what throws work. What do I have consistently? What should I not be trying right now? Um, and a second piece of it is that I think I've identified that as a player, I'm very much a systems player. I like to do what is expected and be really consistent. And the downside of that is that I'm not like, I'm working on my creativity and Mm -hmm. becoming a, a more unpredictable player, like reading the way things are, are happening and adjusting. But I think that trait in me was helpful in adapting to brute it was like okay here's a system and like i'm gonna play it and fit in it um so i think that part was helpful but i think you're right like when you play on a team where people are it's a new team or people are coming from a lot of different places and the system isn't so set it's definitely harder um but one of the things that i really liked about gridlock was we pulled people from at some point we had like eight or something different club teams represented on gridlock and so especially this past year playing with Gina Cartagena from Revo, I was like learned to look in a lot of different spaces or make cuts in different ways. And so I think it is super valuable to also play with people who are like going to push your system and, and do something different. Definitely. You can't be afraid to get outside of your comfort zone. In Frisbee, yeah. I, think. Mm-hmm. I relate a little bit with your systems. Like I, how I viewed my role is I just want to get the, move the disc out the field. And minimize the turnovers, just take care yeah. of the disc with everything I had. And you sacrifice creativity sometimes with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, possession is so key in, in these games. I want to, you know, shift our conversation a little bit to your time with Gridlock. Gridlock is, you know, one of the teams in the Premier League Ultimate group. 
Um, something I will admit I wasn't hugely familiar with um, coming to the senior. I you know researched it and learned a whole bunch. But would you just share what is this league all about and you know what you're doing with Gridlock? Mm-hmm. So the league started in 2019 officially, and it was made up of a couple teams that had created the first women's and non-binary gender inclusive um, league. Well, I guess they had started as just individual teams in 2018, sort of in response to the AUDL and there being a lack of opportunities for women's professional players. And so the league started in 2019 and Gridlock was one of the first teams in the league, which was super cool. And then the league added some teams. I don't have my timeline <laughs> exactly right, but I think in like 2021, and it was definitely challenging to have the league have started in 2019 and then have the pandemic hit. Um, and so we came back like in a partial season in 2021 and then to a full season in 2022 and 2023. And um, yeah, Gridlock this past year made the finals, which was super sweet. That's incredible. How yeah. did you find your way onto the Gridlock roster? Yeah, so the team was starting in 2019 and there was sort of, you know, like conversation going around the New York Ultimate community. And that that point, 2019, I was living in Boston, but my partner lived in New York. And so I was sort of like back and forth. And I had a brute teammate, Cassie Wong, who was like, should we do this? And we sort of talked about it with a couple other people we knew. And we were like, yeah, we'll try out. And then we made the team. And then sort of from there, it was like Cassie and I captained that first year. And then we just, yeah, we kept going. That's super fun. And something on, on my side, like I've learned a lot about the growth of the AUDL and the struggles that I think any new sports league goes through. So I imagine, mm-hmm. you know, PLE, PLU is also going through just growing pains. You know, yeah. can you just tell, talk to me about just the challenges that present itself when anything new starts? But in this case, you know, when uh, this new Frisbee league kind of going through these growing pains, what is that like? Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, I also follow like a lot of other women's professional sports leagues. And I think it's super interesting to compare leagues at different points in time. And so the PUL is only five years in, which is a super young league in comparison to any other professional league. Um, But I think personally, I see the growing pains as sort of being like this balance of sustainability. Like how do we the goal of the league is to increase the visibility of women's and gender expansive ultimate. And so how do we keep the league alive? Like that's the only way (laughs) that this is going to be visible is if the league stays alive and continue to grow at a rate that is like reasonable. And so I think I know that there's been chatter around like the fundraisers that the PUL has done because it's been a lot of community funded and that to me is not sustainable. Like people aren't going to be able to just keep donating year after year to keep the league going. And so I think like fundraising and where income is going to come from is a big piece of it. I think there's definitely a market for sponsorships, especially in sort of like this um, mission driven like vision. So thinking about yeah, it's maybe not an investment in the league, like you're going to get your money back in five to 10 (laughs) years. But can you find people who will invest because they believe in the mission of the league and what the league is trying to do? Um, So I think those are some pieces of it. I think there's definitely like growing pains around where and what teams 
show up. I think something about the PUL that's unique is that a lot of the cities that have PUL teams don't have top club teams mm. in the women's division. And so I think that's a cool thing. And I think it also means like the product maybe isn't the best product. I don't mm. know. Some people may not like that I say that, but yeah. It is interesting though. It's, you look at, you know, I'm more familiar with the AUDL and it, those teams have good bases of Frisbee around it that already exist. But I do think something that could be a good benefit here is I was looking at where some of the teams are located and like there's a team in Indianapolis. You also have the Alicats in Indianapolis. So there are teams where in the PUL where there are AUDL teams in the same city. So I, I imagine that can create, you know, a great atmosphere feeding off each other because they're both in a place where they need to grow and they're looking to grow. So I think that's a really strong positive, but it is an interesting point that you bring up just the club scene for the women's side isn't as strong in some of those cities. But Gridlocker, you know, New York, you have New York Empire and there's sure there's other club teams there as well. It's a great Frisbee community down there. Can you talk to me a little bit more about just the Frisbee dynamic that you've experienced in New York? Yeah, I think Gridlock has been a really cool experience and that has brought together a lot of people who play both in the women's and the mixed division to play on one team. And so I've made a lot of Frisbee connections through Gridlock, which has been really cool. The other thing I do in New York Ultimate is play goaltie, which is super fun. There's a good group that plays in Harlem, which I've really enjoyed. Um, but I think definitely there's a challenge for me of like playing club in Boston and living in New York. I, <laughs> I definitely miss out on some of the like club scene in New York. I think the ultimate question here is how do you balance all this? There's so much ultimate going on in your life. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you organize this? How do you make it possible? Luckily, I have a couple other teammates who have lived in New York, and so I have people to commute with, which is huge. I'm not like driving up and back by myself, but I don't know. I ask myself that question too, and I think probably a lot of people who are listening are like, yeah, why do I keep doing this and putting so much time and energy into it? But I don't know, something about, I think especially something about fruit makes me like keep coming back, even though I live in New York now. There's, it's for the love of the sport, right? It's, you know, yeah. having this podcast. I'm not getting paid to do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You're busting your butt over here to get as much Frisbee as, and as you can in your life, but we, we love the sport. There's something special about it. Yeah. Um, can you talk to me about some aspects that you love about this community, about this sport? What is like being in the field playing? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I have been thinking about sort of since nationals is like the bubble that you get to exist in, um, at least in my experience like coming back from nationals, I mean, winning is great. And I think definitely makes for a different experience, but getting four solid days with your team where you don't really have to worry about like a whole lot else. And you just get to play a day of a tournament. You know, I'll put my phone in my bag and not pull my phone back out until it's like, we're trying to drive somewhere and I need it for, <laughs> you know, navigation. But um, I think the, that piece of it is huge for me. It's almost sort of like an, uh, like a bit of an escape. Um, but then I think the second piece of like, why do I keep going back to Brute is definitely related to the people. And there's something special about getting to work really hard with a group of people who have a similar goal in mind and pushing each other to get to that goal. And like the sort of communal suffering as you train and work really hard. And then the, feelings of like improving individually improving as a team all of those and then I, I mean like obviously winning is sort of like the end goal and I think you know 
you're talking with me after having won nationals. So that's definitely like, feels like a special piece of it too. But I think a lot of it is around like the people who you do stuff with. Um, that's really special. That's right. I think anytime you get a group of people that work hard towards a goal, there's such a bond that forms and you're obviously get to enjoy that bond in several different teams. So that's really special. And, you know, we've heard how you've you know, played a little bit in college, you've played pro, you've, uh, you've played club, you've played in all these different areas. I think it begs the question, what level of Frisbee is your favorite to play? What area of Frisbee is your favorite? Hmm. I think there's nothing really like the club season. It's both exhausting and like really special. And I think, yeah, I think you just don't get quite the same long-term experience with a club team. I mean, college is special in its own way, but I think it was also pretty exhausting in terms of, as you probably know, like captaining and leading a team. Um, so yeah, I think right now club. And I believe you wear number 14. Mm -hmm. So kind of a fun question here. Why number 14? Is there significance behind that for you? <laughs> um, not really. I, the little bit of the story is that I wanted to be number 22 and because that was the jersey that my mom had worn when she played sports. And when I didn't make the varsity Frisbee team my freshman year in high school, there was somebody else on the JV team who wore number 22. So I had to pick a different number and I picked 14. It's just the day of my birthday. So there you <laughs> nothing <go>. super <laughs> special. Then I had to stick with it. You can't, you can't go wrong from there. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> And at this point, up to now, we've, you know, really kind of dove into everything about Frisbee in your life. But you have something that is also related to Frisbee, and that's your podcast you have, Share the Air. Um, can you just tell me a little about what Share the Air is and how do you come up with the idea to do it? Mm -hmm. So the idea came from me just like listening to a lot of women's sports podcasts and I really like hearing the stories of other athletes and how they got to where they are and how they think about competing and training and all of these things. And I sort of was like, well, there isn't really anything like this in ultimate. And so I reached out to one of my friends and he was like, yeah, we should do that. And I was like, well, you're the like logistics guy. So <laughs> if you think we can do it and you can keep me on schedule, yeah, we'll do it. And then I pulled in my friend, uh, Louisa, who I actually met through gridlock and yeah, so basically we try and share the stories and voices of people who maybe don't get as much screen time, airtime, spotlight uh, in the Ultimate Frisbee world. And it's been really cool. We've gotten to share a lot of people's stories. People have reached out to us as a place to share their story, which I think feels really like they trust us and they trust the way that we tell people's stories. And we've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people through it, as you've probably through this. So I think, yeah, it's been, it's like more than I ever thought it would be. I think it's so fun. It goes back to the ideas. People in the Frisbee community are just very kind and receptive to this. I'm sure you've experienced and just reaching out and communicating with people. People are so receptive to an mm -hmm. invite to be on a podcast, which I'm sure for some people, if you're not used to it, can be a little nerve wracking, yeah. <laughs> but you know, people are respond with such kindness and willingness. So that's super special. And you mentioned you, you do this podcast with your teammate, which is really cool that you get to, you know, share this with her. Um, tell me a little bit, when did you start it and kind of what's kind of coming down the pipeline that people get excited about? I think we started it in 2021, maybe. I don't know. All of those years sort of 
it all blends together a bit, but um, yeah, so we did two sort of full intense seasons where we were releasing an episode a week and then we hit a point where we're like, okay, we can't keep up this pace. So we did a third season that was a little more spread out and we've been on a hiatus for a bit. We were releasing kind of like a couple one-off episodes. So we have one that we're trying to get out before Thanksgiving and then we're in the planning for what a season four would look like and when we might be able to get that out. Um, so yeah, if, I mean, if people have like guest ideas, they can always write into us because we love to hear who people want to hear from. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. And if you had to share, you know, a piece of advice, and there's a lot of people out there that love to share and be creative, especially through a podcast avenue. What would you share with someone that's looking to start their own, you know, sports podcast or frisbee podcast? What would you kind of share? I just, you know, struggle is to get this thing going. I think the biggest thing for me has been having a team of people to work with. I think we each bring our own strengths. So, like I said, uh, my friend Tim is like the send the emails out guy, schedule the meeting guy, which is not my strength. And so it's great to have him there. And then Louisa fantastic co-host with me and then also is really good at like graphic design social media stuff and so having the team where we can all sort of like take on our own things but not be alone in the project is huge incredible i think that's it's so true you rely on your team right whether yeah. it's on the field or you know doing a podcast right it's, it's <laughs> so good to have people supportive people around you whenever you take on any venture and you know going back to that team atmosphere i'm just thinking kind of reflecting on some of the things you've shared of just this grind of frisbee and you've played a lot in your life and the team has so much involvement in the supportiveness of somebody and it can be a grind getting yourself out there and getting yourself to work i'm just thinking how you mentioned how long that club season is how long you add the you know world tryouts and stuff like that for the national team how do you stay positive or stay focused keep yourself focused that there is a light at the end of the tunnel after all this training is done. Cause when you're, you know, in the winter and you're out working sometimes by yourself, it's pretty daunting. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. How do you keep yourself focused or disciplined and locked in in this, this long training sequence we're in? Yeah. And it's actually something I also feel within the club season too, because I live in New York and I live outside New York city. So I don't live within 30 minutes of any teammates or friends. And so it's like, I definitely, have to push through that sort of like self-motivation piece. Luckily, my partner also plays Frisbee, so that's helpful there. Um, but I think in the off season, for me, the things that help is like finding times to play goal tee with people or organize mini with friends, um, even like staying connected to people online. Last year for Brute, we did like a little bit of off season sort of goal support. Um, but yeah, really for me, it's like a social thing and getting support from teammates or friends or other people. Definitely goes back to the idea of community and support from a team. Yeah. I think. yeah. <laughs> At this point in career, Tulsa, you've accomplished a lot, a lot of different, you know, uh, medals and trophies that have your name on them and fingerprints all over the, the history and the battle to get there. What are your dreams? What else are you looking to accomplish in this sport? One, so I actually just started this next cycle as a U20 assistant coach for the women's team, which is super exciting. So I think that's sort of like a next step for me is getting into the coaching side of things. Um, I'm really interested in leadership and like team culture 
and uh, the mental side of sports. And so I think as Ultimate potentially grows, like getting to be a part of helping teams and coaches continue to develop and, and try and build the best environments for success. Um, so I think that's that's something I'm interested in, but like also thinking about how long I might play. I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like, woo, this could be it. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, people are still playing, you know, 10 plus years out. So True. who knows there? Wow, very exciting. Yeah, best of luck. I think what's cool is once you've been filled up, you receive so much good from this sport, it's just a natural desire to give back. And I think that's what you're experiencing now. So best of luck with those ventures here. Thank you. And Joel, that kind of brings us to the close this interview. I want to open it up though. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I mean, it's been wonderful to dive into the many different areas of Frisbee in your life. I think you offer such a wealth of experience and knowledge when it comes to this sport. So just thank you for everything you've shared with us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. And make sure you check out the Breakside podcast on Instagram at Breakside underscore podcast. And this brings us to the end of episode 26. This is David Adamitis with Tulsa Douglas. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.